electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is the American Greek Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed... Run away, buddy boy, run away. Leave it to the real men. Scott Monogat is a trash-talking star... Go yourself. ...of a fix-it-and-flip-it TV show. I love buying properties in this area. Rentals equal cash flow. Cash flow makes me very happy. Monogat parlays his reality fame into a house-flipping and furniture store empire in the Valley of the Sun, where Scott Monogod always comes first. He was an arrogant person, very pushy, very demanding. He was having a lot of fun, taking a lot of money, jetting around, living a high lifestyle, gambling in Vegas, flying over to Israel. He was enjoying himself. But when Monogod's $30 million lie begins to unravel... His unwitting partner ends up dead. Scott Monogat described Denny Chittick's death as a gift. He said, it's a dead man's word against mine. Set in Phoenix, Arizona, Property Wars premieres on the Discovery Network in 2012. 51,000, let's go. Jump it to 60. This is a strategy game, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to defend my territory. Bam! Yes, off. This 30-episode series is a snapshot in time, capturing the aftermath of the financial crisis and the housing market in freefall. And driving neighbors crazy. Arguably, no other city got hit as hard as Phoenix. It was a, a really, really crazy time. It was scary. Doug Hopkins has been a fixture in the Phoenix area real estate market for more than 20 years. All of a sudden, poof, the, the floor just fell out. And houses that were previously bought for 300000 were worth a third of that, $100,000. What the lenders did, because nobody would buy these, they wound up discounting the notes uh, substantially to make it so that people at the courthouse steps would buy them so banks wouldn't have to take them in as inventory. And so we would go down and bid on them. The massive number of properties, quick turnaround and daily bidding wars between potential buyers makes for a ripe reality TV show. Here I come, baby. And Property Wars producers want Doug Hopkins on the show. But at first, Hopkins has reservations of how it would affect his bottom line. I didn't want to be a, a part of it. At the time, I was the biggest investor in, in foreclosures in Arizona. I didn't want anybody knowing what was going on. But I, I took a look at it. I woke up one morning and I decided, you know, what the heck, I'll give it a shot. Hopkins appears on the show with a varied crew of house flippers and investors, all looking to cash in on an unprecedented foreclosure market. We would bid every single day. It's, it's a live auction. When there's thousands of dollars on the line, it tends to create some animosity, tends to create some, some enemies. There was a lot of my competitors that I really liked, and there was some that I uh, didn't like very much at all. One of his biggest competitors and co-star is Yom Top Scott Monogat. 
a New York transplant who was making a name for himself flipping houses in Phoenix. I didn't know who Scott was at the time. He was mostly bought houses on the west side of town. I bought some on the east side of town, and that kind of changed once the cameras started rolling. From the beginning, Scott Monogat rubs Doug Hopkins the wrong way. The biggest problem I see in the East Valley is called Doug Hopkins. Doug Hopkins is always used to getting his way in the East Valley. No more. I'm coming in and I'm taking him down. I've been buying and selling real estate for almost 20 years. I'm the biggest buyer of trustee sales. Though it may seem like a made-for-TV feud, Hopkins says the bad blood is real. Scott and I never got along. Uh, we were civil for the most part because we had to spend time together uh, filming every day. No, he was he was not a person that I would call a friend. He was not a person I would hang out with. That was not a person I would go have a beer with. He was an arrogant person, uh, very pushy, very demanding, didn't treat people very well. He thought everything was all about him. And the feeling appears to be mutual. Let him stay on his neck of the woods and I'll stay in mine and we're good to go. I'm not looking to go to dinner with the guy anytime soon. There was actually a couple of episodes we, we, that we almost came to blows. Bully. Only people around. What bully? And that was real. Scott keeps pushing me up, and I'm way past my number. But there's no way I'm letting him walk away with this one. Go 300 more, 149. I, I hate losing this jackass. Forget it, forget it. I'm out. Timber! <laughs> I really wanted this house today. And to lose a Scott, of all people, that weasel better watch his mouth. You know, he said some, some comments that really, really aggravated me. And sometimes you just get fed up with the antics, and I'd had enough that day. You're a freaking bully is what you are. You try a to bully. bully people around. What bully? You ain't going to freaking bully what me around. Bully? Oh, you're a Get no. off my Get off my property. Get the off my property. I ain't freaking leaving. It's very rare that, that I can get that worked up. I can get mad, but very, very rare. I haven't been in a fight since high school, and I was ready to, to go a couple times. And it's probably a good thing that, that some of the producers stepped in. Go f yourself. Get out of here. Get out of here. Jackass. Despite all of his on-screen antics, by 2014, Monogid's TV personality has helped him go from outsider to big-time Arizona real estate mogul. Tom Ajami is a financial fraud attorney. Scott Monogid had a pretty good reputation, and he had a big reputation. Scott was on TV, he was a star of a reality TV show, and a lot of people watched that show, and he was a local star. You know, Scott was always bragging about all the money that he was making up in Vegas. He would go up to Vegas, and he would come back, and he would describe duffel bags full of cash. I know he bought big, fancy houses to live in. He had new cars all the time and, you know, just did his thing. Before Monogat was an infamous, fast-talking man about town, he was born Yom Tov Scott Monogat to an Israeli-American family in New York. Around the late 1990s, he heads to Arizona to try his hand at real estate and catches the eye of Eric Weinbrenner, himself a rising star in the foreclosure business. I met Scott in 2002, three through real estate. He was a very aggressive person that used to fix and flip. And in this line of business, you need someone that's aggressive. And then also his dad had capital. So I'm like, all right, it's kind of like a win-win, aggressive, hardworking person with a dad with capital because we could always utilize funds. I decided to have him come into my office and in a sense, partner up with him. He was a super aggressive person and on average, we're buying 10, 12 houses a day. We're making 
great money in 2008, 9, 10, 11. According to Weinbrenner, he and Monogat are each clearing more than a million dollars a year, and their profits are only growing. That's why the falling out that leads to the end of their business relationship is so odd. It all comes down to a $100 bet. Scott and I always worked well together and trusted him to a point, obviously over-embellished um, stories, things of that nature, but he said he was going to hide Camelback. Camelback Mountain is known as a strenuous and potentially dangerous climb, especially in desert heat that pushes over 100 degrees. And Weinbrenner thinks it's an easy bet. After all, Scott Monaghan's idea of exercise seems to be screaming into a phone. And I'm like, oh, okay, I bet you can't make it to the top. And he's like, oh, no, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm like, oh, all right, I'll bet you $100. So therefore, he, the next day, I said, oh, did you hike Camelback? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, did you see my house down below? He goes, yeah, I saw it. It's beautiful up there. I'm handing him $100 and went on my way. Later, Weinbrenner runs into an employee who was with Scott Monaghan on his supposed hike to the top of Camelback Mountain and asked him if Scott made it. I'm like, Matt, I'm just curious if Scott actually made it to the top. He goes, um, well, you are my boss. No, he didn't even make it a quarter of the way up. I'm like, okay. Weinbrenner stews on the alleged lie for a couple of weeks, then confronts Monogad. I'm like, excuse me, I understand that you didn't hide Camelback and you stole $100 from me. And he goes, no, 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 I paid you on one of the deals. And I'm like, no, I don't think you did. I'm like, which property? He goes, oh, I can't remember. Therefore, I said, we're done. Get out of my office, pack your crap, we're done. I said, we run way too much money in and out of these accounts, anywhere from 12, 15, 16 million dollars a month. If you're willing to steal $100 from me, you're willing to steal 100,000. It was the last time Weinbrenner worked with Scott Monogad. And while he may have unknowingly dodged a very expensive bullet, Others are not so lucky. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Get ready, Dougie boy, here I come. The Monogat Express is coming right into the East Valley. Scott Monogat's hit reality show, Property Wars, is picked up for a second season of bidding, buying, and fighting over the Phoenix area foreclosure market. And by 2014, Monogat wants to up his game. Just before the bid, Scott rolls up like he already owns a place. What a beauty! That's so typical. This is a great property. What are you talking about? He's so freaking cocky. He thinks he can just show up and make money. It doesn't work that way. 
Monogid's main rival in Property Wars co-star, Doug Hopkins, is buying up as many properties as he can. There was brand new houses that were just built in 2005, 2006 that sold for three and four hundred thousand dollars that we were buying at the courthouse steps for a hundred thousand dollars. And I'm sitting there going, this is insane. I got to buy as many of these as possible. I got to figure out a way to buy as many of these as possible. At our peak, my company was buying between two and three hundred properties a month. Scott Monogat wants to dethrone Hopkins as Arizona's foreclosure king. In order to win big, Monogat needs cash. A lot of cash. For this, he turns to a man named Denny Chittick. Denny Chittick was a local, what we call a hard money lender. A lot of these houses, they have to be paid for the next business day. Hard money lenders can provide cash quickly and to higher risk borrowers. In return, they collect interest rates of 18, even 20%. Denny Chittick is the sole owner and operator of Densco, a lending company he started up after making money in the sale of a tech company. And Denny was a, he was a very nice guy, a very good, good dude. I did a lot of loans with him myself, and I had a lot of my clients do loans with him. I bet I borrowed anywhere from 80 to $100 million back and forth from him. And he'd always hand it on a, basically on a handshake or very, very organized man. Extremely organized, always looked up to him as a good businessman. Scott Monogat built a very personal relationship with Denny Chittick. And Scott Monogat was somewhat of a celebrity. So he was somewhat of a local star. I think the local star aspect plus just the interpersonal relationship, spending a lot of time together, having coffee and drinks and being in each other's homes, built up a bond of trust between Denny Chittick and Scott Monogat. Densco funds loans with the help of its investors a group that has grown to about 100 very close family and friends who all come in with personal connections and includes Denny Chittick's own parents. Denny Chittick knew his investors. It was his family members. It was his friends and people he'd met throughout his life. Everyone, he knew them all, and they all knew him, and they trusted him completely with their money. Anthony Burdett has been a CPA in El Paso, Texas, for more than 40 years and is nearing retirement. His stock portfolio takes a big hit during the financial downturn of 2008, and he's looking to shore it up when a friend tells him about an alternative investment opportunity. And in our talk, he just said, Tony, I've invested in a, in a hard money lender out of Arizona. He said, I'd like you to check it out. And he gave me the website. The money lender is Denny Chittick. Burdett's friend went to college with Chittick's parents. I really was impressed with them. They were just very good, salt-of-the-earth people. And so I said, hmm, okay, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And so I did a lot of due diligence, a lot of homework. I really got in there and drilled down. Burdett finds 10 years of stable returns. Densco's key promise is that every loan Chittick makes is secured by the first deed of trust of the property purchased. Meaning, if something goes wrong, he can be the first to foreclose on the property to get his money back. That first deed of trust holder holds all the marbles. That's where your security is. Tony Burdett has spent his life working and saving, and he wants to enjoy his retirement. 
My wife and I, I guess the word is frugal, but we look for value on everything. And we didn't take some vacations because we wanted to, you know, have a good, comfortable retirement. We got the kids through school. That part was done. After deep diving into the financials, Burdett believes that the Densco investment is a safe path to reaching his goals. And he invests $400,000 with Denny Chittick. By 2013, Scott Monagad is one of Densco's biggest borrowers. He claims to be purchasing tens of millions of dollars worth of foreclosed properties with Densco's cash. Properties such as this one at 771 West Marlette Avenue in Glendale, Arizona. Monaghan claims he bought this four-bedroom foreclosure at auction, secures a loan from Chittick for $120,000, and puts Densco as the beneficiary of the first deed of trust. He then either flips or rents the properties at a pretty profit in order to pay back his high-interest loans. Everyone seems to be making money. Everyone seems happy. We had visions of extended vacations and, you know, having a new car. Just silly things like that, but still it's things that, you know, are important to you. After all, Densco has a 10-year track record of smart business decisions and steady returns, even in a volatile housing market. But that track record is about to come to a screeching stop. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night. No matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale. Even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch. When it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. Phoenix area house flipper Scott Monagad is living the life of a real estate tycoon. Kicking back at his multi-million dollar Arizona mansion, complete with a lazy river meandering through a lush backyard oasis in the desert. The Property Wars star and foreclosure king is on top of the world. Scott Monaghan appeared to be a very successful businessman. He was a star of a reality TV show, and he was a big, big deal. Guys, I'm on a totally different level than you two. Monaghan's foreclosure deals are not only making him a rich man, but are providing huge returns to his lender, Denny Chittick, and his group of investors. They trusted Scott, and Scott needed more and more money, and he would go to his buddy, Denny Chittick, and say, Denny, I need some more money, and Denny would go to his friends and his family and his business partners and say, I need some more money, and he would funnel millions of dollars more to Scott Monagas so Scott could supposedly continue to buy more real estate. 
Scott Monogod seems to think he's too big to be confined at the house flipping business and decides to open several discount furniture stores throughout the Phoenix area. Monogod's former partner, Eric Weinbrenner, takes notice. I'm like, where is he getting all this money? Like, honestly, I would sit back and go, what the heck is going on here? But I'm like, hey, and he, I actually started talking to him again in 2015, I believe. He goes, the furniture business. He goes, well, I'll sell a $1,500 couch and I'll make $800. He goes, you're buying a $150,000 house. You're only making $1,500. All I have to do is sell two couches. And I'm like, oh, maybe he's right. He was always bragging about how much money he made, whether it was through buying homes at, at auction, whether it was all the money he made at this furniture store, or he was bragging about all the money he made in Vegas. I had no reason to not take him for a person at his word, that he was making a lot of money. He was buying cars, he was buying houses, he was living a lavish lifestyle. He was talking about all the, the high-end restaurants that he had dinner at the night before and, and that sort of thing. You know, I knew he was spending money. He started marketing his furniture company more and more. I kept seeing billboards. I'm like, wow, this guy's doing great. Scott certainly seems to be doing great. Until the end of 2013, that is. When Monogod tells his lender, Denny Chittick, we have a problem. Scott Monogod had actually come to him and said, my cousin had come in and started to run the business, and my cousin had run off with some of the money. So a lot of this money that was supposed to be invested in real estate just wasn't. It was gone. Monogod owes Densco $5 million. He assures Chittick he can make it back. He just needs more time and more cash to flip more houses. Now Denny Chittick has an agonizing choice. Tell his investors and risk losing everything or work with Scott Monogod and try to make things right. He said that he couldn't tell the investors at that time. He didn't have the heart to tell them at that time what had really happened because they would have lost faith in him. And they would have all asked for their money back and he didn't have that money to give back to them. So he had been working to try to turn this really terrible situation around. He creates what he calls a workout agreement with Monogod, in which Densko lends Monogod even more money and expects to be paid back fully. Within a year, Monogat claims to have purchased hundreds of properties with Densco as the title holder and owes Densco $30 million. Monogat is making the 18% interest payments and Denny Chittick thinks their plan is working. What he doesn't know is that Scott Monogat is secretly devising another revenue stream, an illegal one. IRS criminal investigator Denise Lucero fields a tip about some suspicious banking activity taking place at Monogod's furniture stores. It appeared that Scott Monogod had opened up a merchant account with Wells Fargo Bank. Once that account was established, he then was able to provide lines of credit to individuals wanting to purchase furniture. Multiple applications were prepared and filed with Wells Fargo approving those lines of credit. Once we looked into the names of the applicants, it was determined that those individuals, the names, the social security numbers, the date of births, were, all belonged to uh, deceased individuals. Monica Edelstein is an assistant U.S. attorney. We discovered that Scott Monogid was obtaining these names from uh, the obituary section of the Arizona Republic, which is the local paper. 
Once he knew they were deceased, he was able to find their personal identification information, their social security numbers, their addresses, all sorts of information that he then used to make these bogus credit card applications. Unless Scott Monaghan's customers need furniture in the afterlife, it appears he is simply pocketing the bank's money. These were entirely fabricated purchases done so that Scott Monaghan could get his hands on funds quickly. For example, Monaghan might read in the obits that an Arizona woman has died at 89. Using her personal data, he takes out a Wells Fargo line of credit in her name. He uses it to buy $5,000 worth of furniture. On paper, that is. In reality, the living room set stays right on his showroom floor. But the $5,000 goes into Monaghan's pocket. In an attempt to legitimize the fraud, Scott Monaghan did purchase some money orders from a bank and then try to pay down that line of credit to sort of keep the fraud ongoing and not raise any flags with the bank. Unfortunately, it was so egregious that it was noticed. Noticed? But not before Scott Monaghan makes off with more than $2 million from two banks. In a suburban Phoenix subdivision, in the home of businessman and father Denny Chittick, in the office where he runs his real estate lending business, sits a broken man. His fatal mistake? Trusting Scott Monaghan, who owes him and his investors $31 million. And Monaghan has just filed for bankruptcy. Denny Chittick learned that Scott Monaghan had filed for bankruptcy. And Denny Chittick is distraught at this point because he'd given Monaghan tens of millions of dollars from his friends. And he's wondering what's going to happen. Chittick's journal entries offer a peek inside the mind of a man whose options are bad and worse. And it was spiraling down a dark hole of regret. June 6, 2016. I spent my entire waking hours thinking about this mess. How I should have done things differently and what I am going to do. He was working with Scott Monaghan to try to come up with a plan to earn back the money that had been stolen. That involved getting more money from investors and investing some more with Scott Monaghan, but he found out that that money was being stolen too. He had trusted Scott Monaghan to take that money and use it to go buy foreclosed homes at a discount. And he learned eventually that that wasn't done. June 13th, Scott was supposed to call me, never did. Claims he's going to get this thing solved. I have little faith. He just strings me out with promises and dates and times that never happen. Denny Chittick was clearly depressed. He was obvious he hadn't slept for weeks. Who knows, maybe even longer than that. We understand he might have been taking sleeping pills. He was just running around for well over a year trying to fix this behind the scenes and to avoid a super disaster. June 14th. I started making a list of people I would write a suicide note of explanation to. I just have this overwhelming feeling this is going to come crashing down on me any minute. In July 2016, 
Chittick and Monoghan meet at Furniture King to discuss Monoghan's impending bankruptcy deposition. Chittick secretly records the conversation. It's a closed-door deposition, and they're going to ask me a ton of questions based on all the bank statements and everything that they have. During the investigation, we learned that Denny Chittick had made a recording with Scott Monoghan. He approached Scott Monoghan about the fraud, and Scott basically made excuses with regards to his activity. Monoghan tells Chittick that most of the money he owes Densco, $30 million, is actually safe and being held with Auction.com, an online marketplace for foreclosure buyers. But he says that no one can know about this, or the bankruptcy court will go after the money and they will never be able to pay back Denny's investors. I will never say the word Auction.com. I will never say The second I say that, we're both What do you mean? Ultimately, all the money is going to come back when this bankruptcy is over. Scott, I'm telling you, if, if, if the investors don't get their money, I will be sued into oblivion the next morning. We absolutely have to talk to auction.com and they have to give me money back. I absolutely have to. If we go there right now or you call them right now where I'm on the phone, we have to. If we don't, I'm dead. I am dead. Danny confronts Scott Monoghan and says, what's happened to all this money? Where is it? And Scott says, well, some was stolen, but a big chunk of it is invested with a company called Auction.com, and we're going to get those millions back. Don't worry. Hey, what it is or what it's not, you think for 60 days I can keep this quiet by placating to my investors and paying back you know, their interest or whatever, and then in 60 days they give you your bankruptcy dismissal and you're done, and then auction.com wires you the money, you wire me the money, and we go our merry way. That's that's our plan. Yeah, better plan. What's a better plan? I, I don't have expose one. Expose it? I, can't I don't have one. I'm taking all the on myself. The only reason I'm doing it is because I know at the end of this whole rainbow that there is $30 million that's going to make everyone quiet. It didn't seem that Scott Monoghan you know, took much responsibility for his actions, leaving Denny Chittick just even more devastated. On July 28, 2016, Denny Chittick's ex-wife pulls up in front of Chittick's Arizona home with their 10 and 11-year-old sons. She hasn't heard from him in a couple of days, which is highly unusual. She drove over with the boys. The boys ran to the front door. It was locked. So they ran around the side and jumped over the fence. As they ran towards the house, they saw their father hanging with a luggage strap around his neck, and he was dead. And this is something that two young boys should never have to see in their lives. And they were so frightened and afraid, they ran back and they tried to go straight through the fence, and they broke the fence. But they couldn't get through, and they jumped over and ran to their mother, and their mom called 9-11. First responders pronounced Denny Chittick dead on the scene. He's 48 years old. In Chittick's home office, investigators find several notes. When they went inside, they found a little note, among many other notes, but one that jumped out at them was a note written to Denny's sister, and it said... Go to mom and dad's condo in Phoenix. Go inside. Go to the washer and dryer. Open up the dryer. 
The police saw that, and so they immediately went to Denny Chittick's mother and father's condo. They went inside. They went to the washing machine, the dryer machine, opened up the dryer, and in there was a box of cash, a bunch of $100 bills. The box contains $521,000 and another note addressed to Chittick's sister, telling her what to do with the cash. They went back to the house and found a bunch of boxes that he had laid out with all his financial records in them and other notes around the house, a note to his boys, a note to his investors and others. And some of the notes had great detail about all his finances. And you could tell by going through these notes that clearly something bad had happened to him financially and something terrible had happened to his business. In a five-page apology letter to his investors, Chittick writes, I owe you an explanation and a lot of money. The guilt, embarrassment, humility, and any other adjective you can add in there is overwhelming. Going through the legal process is an unbearable thought. Years spent in courts and lawyers trying to settle this all out. Meanwhile, having to face all of you. I can't do it. When you read the very long sort of suicide notes that Denny Chittick wrote to his investors and then wrote long one to his sister, you see there's a man there who's desperate, who's depressed, who's confused, who knows he's been cornered, and he just sees no way out. I love my family and my boys as much as any of you do your families. I can't put them through this face to face. I've decided to be my own judge and jury, and I decided the death penalty. I'm never going to see my amazing boys grow up. It just broke my heart. I heard how he was found, and I was just in shock, complete and utter shock. Anybody who's anybody in our industry knew Denny and knew, you know, what kind of guy he was, and he, he, didn't, he didn't deserve that. He felt guilt that he wasn't aware of the fraud, that he didn't identify it. There was going to be no recovery for his investors. He wanted his family, he wanted his friends, he wanted his sons to be made whole, and unfortunately that wasn't going wasn't gonna to happen. He felt that taking his own life was the only way to... was the only way to handle that. In the aftermath of Chittick's death, Wendy Coy with the Arizona Corporation Commission is charged with protecting Densco's investors. There were approximately 100, over 100 investors, over $50 million raised, and there was nobody, no other employees, nobody to take over control of the business. We started locating investors. We started getting the offering documents and found that, yes, Densco was raising money from investors with promises the investment would be secured with first position deeds of trust and promising returns. Within two weeks, a judge appoints a receiver to take over Densco and figure out what is going on. Fraud attorney Tom Ajami works with the receiver on the case. As the receiver's going through, he keeps saying that a bunch of, of these loans to purchase homes were going to a guy named Scott Monoggin. The day I go out of business will be the day that cows fly. And Monoggin's name keeps coming up. 
So the receiver starts doing a little checking around and seeing that there's a guy named Scott Monoghan. He was on a reality TV show, and also he'd filed for bankruptcy. So that leads them to explore who is Scott Monoghan and why is he involved in all of this. Attorneys for the state are soon in touch with investigators from the federal government. They realize they are both taking a hard look at Scott Monoghan. The IRS and U.S. attorneys already have a case on Monoghan for credit card bank fraud. Now there is more fraud to investigate. As we dug into the Densco portion of the fraud, it became very clear that there were a lot of false documents that Scott was creating. As we dug into the receipts for the purchase of real estate that never was actually purchased, it included uh, cashier's checks, which Scott would go to the bank, obtain a cashier's check, which was supposed to be the down payment for a real estate, take a picture of that, forward that picture to Denny Chittick, and then immediately deposit the check back into the account. Of the approximately 3,000 loans that Scott Monoghan obtained from Densco, only 96 of those had any relation to real property. The money was just being siphoned off by Scott Monoghan. But Denny Chinnick, he saw those documents, he believed the transactions were occurring, and it wasn't until Scott Monoghan's bankruptcy that Denny Chinnick realized that it was all fraudulent. Even Monoghan's original story about his cousin stealing from him turns out to be a lie. Denny would send him that money, and Scott Monoghan would spend it on, on himself. May 16th, 2017. Scott Monoghan is charged with multiple counts of fraud for scamming two banks out of more than $2 million in the credit scheme through his furniture stores. It was our fear that additional funds would be stolen, additional individuals' identity would have been stolen. So at the time uh, this case was charged, it was to stop an ongoing fraud. That fraud, however, is a pittance. Monoghan has also defrauded his lender Densco and its investors out of more than $30 million. This was essentially sort of a desperate act that Scott Monoghan engaged in because the larger fraud, he was no longer receiving funds from that. And he, he had a substantial amount of expenses and um, he was still living a pretty extravagant lifestyle. So in order to get his hands on money quickly, he utilized this credit card scheme. Once the credit applications were approved, it was almost an instantaneous transfer of funds from the bank to his accounts. Densco victim Anthony Burdett lost more than $400,000 to Monoghan's scheme. I had all kinds of things plotted out in my mind. First, you're shocked. And then the, the anger is just unbelievable to think, you know, here we were getting these monthly statements and saw this money building up. And even though we didn't need it at the moment, we knew it was going to be there when we needed it. So, yeah, I got very angry and, uh, you know, played out all kinds of horrible scenarios in my mind of what I would do to Scott Monaghan, for sure. In October 2017, as part of a plea deal with the government, Monaghan pleads guilty to conspiracy to commit bank fraud, aggravated identity theft, and conspiracy to commit money laundering. He is sentenced to 17 years in federal prison. 
The sentence in this case was the, the maximum that he could have received under the plea agreement, and it also required him to pay restitution to the victims to make them whole um, once he is released from prison. So to the extent that he has to answer for the totality of the crimes he committed, not just against the banks and the individuals whose identities he stole, but also Densko, Denny Chittick, and its investors, it was a sentence that was appropriate considering all the facts of the case. At the sentencing hearing, Scott Monaghan's former employee, Veronica Castro, also convicted of conspiracy to commit bank fraud, testifies that Monaghan thought Chittick's death would help him get out of trouble. She testified at the sentencing that Scott Monaghan described Denny Chittick's death as a gift. He said to her, it's a dead man's word against mine. And that was with regard to the the fraud transaction that had gone on for for many, many years and um, the huge amount of loss. He got 17 years. He's paying price. That's a large portion of your life as a relatively younger man, and he has kids. This is it's just a horrible story from top to bottom. Denny took his life because of it. He has kids and family. It's just a sad story all around. There was so many victims. It's not just the money, the people that have lost money. It's not just the investors. It's the families. It's, it's everybody around that was truly devastated by his greedy actions. Scott Monaghan has lots of time on his hands to consider where his actions got him. Whether or not it will change him remains to be seen. I don't know how they come up with these sentencing guidelines. I mean, the lives that man destroyed certainly wasn't long enough for me. I'd like to see him become an old man where his his crime streak wouldn't be any anymore because he's just dangerous. Laugh all you want, guys. I'll be the one laughing all the way to the bank. You know, when a person doesn't have any moral compass to go by, he's a real dangerous person. Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacey Keach. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.